0: The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974, with Gamadev. In this episode, Gamadev cranks up the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He'll discuss what it is about this movie that gets so deep under your skin, and also What famous movie critic thought the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a factual reenactment of a real-life event? Huh? You're going to give this one a big two thumbs up. So listen in.
1: Ye have asked for it, ye shall receive it. Don't you love how full of crap I am. I am here with the one, the only. Only way apparently I know how to introduce anyone. Gamma Dev. And by the way, that is his actual Christian name. That was the name he was given at birth. Gamma Dev is here with me. How you doing, Gamma? I'm doing
2: great. Thanks for having
1: me. I am excited to have you. I am a fan of you and our mutual buddy, Mr. Doug McCoy. Uh, I'll just get this out of the way now, so in case I forget between here and the next 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, he You can find Gamma at the, do you want to tell him? I know what it is, but do you want to tell him?
2: Uh, the McCoyCast website.
1: Yes, and specifically, I you I guess you have done more than just the uh, '80s anthologies, haven't you?
2: Uh, we've done a couple of random episodes recently. Uh, we did covered uh, the movie Real Genius as well as uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes.
1: Yep. And what I really realized, I connected. I I I've always felt, and this is probably. Doug would hate to hear this because, you know, if, if I were him, I would hate to hear this. But I feel like he's like my cinematic doppelganger in a way because he describes things, especially on his. Uh, did you ever listen to his crazy, creepy, cool movies thing? Yes. And he would the way he described his experiences and a lot of the movies that he what because he's a, I think he's about a year and a half, two years older than I am. But there's still enough parody there as far as the experience and he would say things, I'm like, that's freaky, man, because I thought I was the only 15-year-old that did that. Uh, like, the other day, I think he was telling you about going to see Career Opportunities and several others. I'm like, oh, my God, I thought I was the only goof that did that. Of course, it, had, <laughs> it may have had just a smidge to do with Jennifer Connelly. I'm going to throw it out there. But, <laughs> but the point being that I really enjoyed listening to you, and I, A, think your synopses, not to knock Jason's, of course, but I think your synopses are top-notch on the episodes you guys do, and— what, was that a was that a teeth sucking, I just heard? Yes, that was. So. Okay, okay, all right. I'm not blowing smoke. This is just my opinion. The opinions are the host alone, not necessarily those of forgottenflicks.com. And I am I'm a fan of that. And I really like that when I'm not yelling because I wouldn't yell at Doug, he's too nice, but when I'm saying no Doug, Doug, no, it's that. You typically chime right in with the correct uh, trivia, and uh, I try not to be that guy. You know, I try not to be the guy. Um, I'm sorry, it's actually um, <laughs> the the yeah. person you're trying to uh, refer to is a Willem Dafoe. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I try not to be that guy. It sometimes slips out, but you usually come to the rescue, and my uh, my id thanks you. So without well, you're welcome. <laughs> well, I, I I do appreciate it. So gamma, without further adieu, Would you like to tell everybody the movie that you're bringing to the table tonight? This is one of my personal favorites. Yes, this would be the
2: 1974 classic The Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: Excellent choice. By the way, such a favorite of mine that in the earlier bonus episode when I was talking to Peter, who did The Exorcist, uh, we both agreed that exorcist which we knew came out in 73 came out the same year as texas chainsaw massacre so i'm such a i am such I got the date wrong um yes no i actually love chainsaw massacre uh when was the first time you recall seeing it
2: i would have been the early 80s i'm guessing on the movie channel okay because this is not the type of movie that was generally shown on hbo they still had standards in those early days i guess or something
1: <laughs> uh the, is the movie channel still around Yes. Is it really? Okay. Because I don't have cable. I do all like the you know, the Hulu, Netflix-y kind of stuff. But I remember, obviously, HBO and Cinemax. And then I always felt like those were the two top dogs. And then Showtime was sort of the... in it was, it was closer to Cinemax to me. And maybe it's just a perception thing. Maybe Showtime was technically a little higher than Cinemax. I don't know. But the movie channel was always there. And I remember it. But I don't really have any hard and fast... Memories like I do say HBO and their logo and their theme song, you know, like that kind of thing.
2: Right. So the movie channel was so HBO and Cinemax are kind of the same package. They're like they're the same company and Showtime and the movie channel um, were kind of like bringing up the rear. Showtime would be sort of like HBO and movie channel would be more like the Cinemax in, in, in that in that relationship. So.
1: That actually helps me (laughs) actually figure that out. And then, of course, so what you're saying is, is that whereas so Skinamax, as it was uh, commonly known, was the sort of naughty cousin or sister channel to HBO, the movie channel, if we're going by the same level of degraded standard, was full on hardcore pornography. No, not quite. No, no not quite. Okay, but it's sort of
2: like they got what HBO passed on. So <laughs> they got their like their they got uh, movies like Heartbeeps. Oh. If you remember
1: <laughs> Disorderlies. Actually, no, I, th- I seem to recall that uh, Disorderlies with the Fat Boys was played on HBO even. <laughs> so they didn't even get Disorderlies. Heartbeeps. That's great. Yeah.
2: No, the the movie channel claimed to fame early on was they would actually show R rated movies during the day, Ooh, whereas scandalous. HBO would not, and this bug my dad to no end because he worked for the cable company which is how we got every cable channel <laughs> kudos to dad um and so he would say you know you know geez these these factory workers they come home and they want to watch something and all it's on is goddamn tarka the otter
1: <laughs> Tarka the otter oh that's a good one well the oh i, I was going somewhere with that and tarka the otter completely <laughs> threw me off my game thank you gamma good job let me see. Where was I going with that? With the power of editing. This is the part where, by the way, future me right now, God, will you get on with it? Uh... Talking
2: about movie channel
1: yep. and HBO. Yes, and... HBO, movie channel. But I was go Oh, and the cable. Oh, the R-rated. Okay. So what was go- my my quote-unquote joke? Insert joke here was going to be. So HBO wouldn't show R-rated movies today. Well, it's good to see that their their standards. <laughs> have stayed pretty strong throughout the years. Because, you know, it, it, now they they really, they try not to be excessive in any of their programming, I've noticed. They don't, you know, there's nothing really excessive about HBO. No, no, Game's, Game of Thrones is totally a family show. Totally yeah. family show, even though everyone I know calls it Game of Boobs. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, so just as a side note, and if you want me to edit this, the following question, you totally can tell me and I will. Your dad worked for the cable company and you uh, said that that's how you got... Please, please, please tell me, you didn't get it legally, because that would make me smile. <laughs> if your dad worked it for the cable company and didn't actually pay for it.
2: No, totally legal. Sorry. Oh, okay. Never he. Ha- I'll, I'll tell you. Something. He has free cable to this day because he he was one of the founding members of our local cable company. So. Oh wow.
1: Okay. So it's one of it's. He gets a, It's sort of a you, you know you you got grandfathered in because you're one of the founding fathers that kind of thing. Exactly. Okay, okay, okay. Because there was something I found, I just figured he was just like a guy who worked at the cable company, and it's just something I find very humorous about the guy no. who works at the cable company stealing cable. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Uh, that's just me. Uh, yes, so, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, told you. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you saw it in the early 80s. What, uh, approximately, how old would you have been in that time frame?
2: I'm guessing I had been 10 or 11. Wow. so Way, way too young to have seen
1: it. Yeah, really? That actually is too young because I remember being about that age and seeing the box at our local video store and I'd heard about it. And then, of course, when you see the box, I think there was the cover that had, you know, Leatherface with the chainsaw down in front of him. And he's running sort of, I must be like a scene from the end of the movie when he's chasing after uh, uh, Marilyn. No, Sally, Marilyn's actress. Did. Yes, Marilyn's actress. Yeah, Sally, Sally Hardesty's chasing her. And I'm pretty sure that was what was on the cover. So it just seemed this like this forbidden movie that was filled with depravity and things that my little wee mind could not possibly handle. So I was terrified of seeing it for years and years and years. And it's funny because I still do this. I couldn't tell you exactly when I finally did see it. I, I'm sure I was a teenager, do you do you think that the effect that was created is a happy accident or really attributable to the genius of Toby Hooper? And and I ask that not to be like a smart ass, but my I guess where I go with this is, is that this was his second movie, right? Because I know he had done some hippy-dippy movie that I have the name something with egg in the name, I seem to recall. I can't remember the full title. I don't know if you remember it or not.
2: I can't remember either, but yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm talking about. I think he made yes. this
1: very low budget movie that was like a hippie kind of movie, and didn't do anything. And then he makes Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and any movie getting made periods a borderline miracle. Even the stuff of Ed Wood. So. When something comes together and it seems so perfect, yes, there's a lot of skill and there's a lot of, especially as a filmmaker grows in their craft, you know, but, you know, by time Spielberg is making Jaws and Raider, maybe even going beyond Jaws, but Raiders and E.T., you know, his grasp of the craft. And he also had been making a crap ton of movies throughout his whole childhood. Toby Hooper, I never got that vibe off of. I almost feel like Chainsaw Massacre was his happy accident. That could have gone the way of, did you happen to see, I believe it was the fourth Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that uh, Kim Hinkle, the writer, uh, co-writer of the first one directed. Did you see that one? It was a return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No,
2: I've avoided all the, this movie so scarred me when I saw it. I have avoided every sequel, except for the most recent one, the Texas Chainsaw 3D. Oh, okay. If if, if you've seen. No, I haven't. Actually,
1: it's it's one of that. The only, I've seen them all, except for. The second uh, Texas Chainsaw Two that was of the remake. I saw the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, the one with the chick from Seventh uh, Heaven, <laughs> Jessica Biel <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I saw that one, and I remember thinking it went too far. It, it just because it's always such a disturbing, grotesque, depraved situation. Seeing Leatherface rubbing rock salt on someone's bloody stumps as they're still alive. I'm like, you know, hey, this is a uh, line crossing. I did. I'm not enjoying this, and then. The sequel after the, the one that comes after that, what I heard was even more intense that way. And then I did not bother seeing the most recent one. And I've heard mixed. I've heard it, the, the most
2: recent one is just a laugh riot just from
1: okay
2: because it tries to be a, a, a literal sequel to the first movie and that it, it pretends the actual events took place in 1974 and that there's a baby. That's somehow involved. And then we're following the grown-up baby. But the but the person they have playing it is like 25. And it's supposed to be taking place in 2013. Oh,
1: okay. That was my next question. Because <laughs> I was going to say, technically, that baby would be about two years older than I am.
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. And it's really weird where they try and cheat the timeline. It's like, okay, is, is this supposed to be the mid-90s? Do then they have these magical smartphones from the future then that they're all using?
1: <laughs> and you know what? And, and you bring that up, but doesn't that make you wonder that you, you're you know, you're making a movie, right? And you've got all these people involved. Nobody at any point went, hey, guys. Um, math? Yeah, like basic <laughs> math. Nobody here has to know statistics. No one has to know calculus. Let's use some basic addition and subtraction here. She should be 40. <laughs> or these smartphones need to go.
2: Yeah, watch that movie. It is a laugh ride because they try and make Leatherface Lace Leatherface the hero.
1: By the way, Leather Lace,
2: Leather lace, a whole, lace. That was
1: another movie that was on the movie channel, but that's a different story. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: They, they try and make him the misunderstood hero. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I can kind of see where you're going with this. You're kind of going the whole Norman Bates
1: psycho vibe, but no, it really doesn't work. Uh <laughs> Well, they actually did that in part three a little bit. And part two. You can even make their you didn't see two or three? No, I did not. Sorry. Two and three, there's elements of them I really like. And two, there's a, a hint of that, that he's, you get the fact that he's mentally challenged and there's something else going on there. But two especially, because the character Carolyn Williams plays Stretch, she's a radio DJ, he gets a fondness for her. And they're, there there seems to be like this element of sympathy, but they never take it to the extreme of, oh, now he's a hero. So what you're saying is in this new the sequel, whatever you want to call it, the newest one. That's where they go with it.
2: Yeah, they try and pretend the entire family is misunderstood and they're greatly in, you know, they're, they're they've had this injustice done to him by the local law who is, you know, and group of rednecks who are, you know, vigilante crowd and such. And you're like, really, did you? not see the end of the, which is funny because the movie starts with the end of the first one. It's literally um, Sally jumping out the window is how this movie starts. They recreated that scene perfectly. And they're like, okay, if you just kind of pretended the events didn't happen, maybe you could go with the storyline, but you're trying to be a direct sequel, but forget everything that happened in the first
1: one. We're supposed to have pity for cannibalistic depravity.
2: Yes. It's really, it's really a riot to watch.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So we'll, we'll bring it, we'll bring it right back around then. So Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you see it when you're 10 or 11 years old. Yes. Do you recall the impact? When did the twitching stop? Uh, (laughs) When did the bedwetting stop?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I made a major mistake with this movie because this was one of those, I I got in the habit of once we got cable in the uh, family room in the basement I realized my parents probably couldn't hear the basement TV. And so I would sneak down late at night and watch movies. And this happened to be one of the movies. And it's like, okay, that was a really, really bad idea. And because I grew up in Iowa, out in I, – I, I mean, I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up like in a really small town where it's like if you drive five minutes outside the town, there's nothing then for like another 20, 30 minutes on the highway. So the idea of like, oh, you could just kind of wander off someplace and wander into, you know, a scene from Deliverance <laughs> is a real possibility. And this is, of course, the age before cell phones and GPSs, where nowadays they'd have to, if they remade this movie, they'd have to make a line. Oh, our cell phones don't get any reception out here. Because, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it becomes a real possibility then uh, when you're out in the country. Was that a chainsaw I heard? What was that? Yeah. Well,
1: I imagine every time your parents passed a hitchhiker, you're like, no. you're like you, you, you jump out of the backseat, <laughs> grab your dad's knee and shove it into the accelerator. <laughs> go, 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 go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah, this has got to be the source of many a movie cliche. You have the hitchhiker at the beginning. You have the, oh, let's go wander off when we're almost out of gas. Um, and let's all break off one by one into groups. Like one group goes off to go skinny dipping slash have sex. Uh, and then, Hey, let's go up to this house for no reason whatsoever.
1: And I think that's one of the interesting points about this movie. Cause the whole, let's go with skinny dipping, having sex. There's no, it never gets that far. And it's one of the few movies I think of the time period. Although this one's a little different in that it's not a traditional slasher movie though. It has a lot of the slasher movie conceits in it, but it's, it because like I, when I think of slasher, the era of slasher films, I think more late seventies, basically post Halloween. I know there was movies before you can make the argument really start the trend, but post Halloween, in uh, certainly post Friday the Thirteenth, so you get into the early eighties and everything is pretty much you know sex equals death, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But this movie really just like with the blood. There's no other than uh, Sally's you know uh <laughs> There's no sexuality at all in the movie and it's it, there is i don't even was there even any language i mean I think they dropped no, a couple no. s bombs but it really truly could have been a pg movie
2: yeah i i totally get why toby hooper thought this could have been a pg it was a little naive to think that the <laughs> MPAA was gonna say yeah cannibals sure no yeah, problem
1: yeah yeah your movie's called the texas chainsaw massacre and you want a pg
2: hmm. and it's based on a true story right
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Although very loosely. I, I tell you, it's funny. I remember hearing about that as a kid and then looking up the Ed Gein story, because obviously Ed Gein, Ed Gein inspired a whole lot of movies, as you know, I'm sure. Yes. And I could see, yeah, there were there's elements that are similar, but it's one that's like, oh, okay, well, it's, I, th- I truly thought when I first heard that there was a family... <laughs> Like in Texas,
2: yep. hey, Roger Ebert fell for it. It's in his original review. He says, "Oh, this is based on a true story in Texas." It's like, okay,
1: uh... <laughs> the yeah. days before
2: you could fact check. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: it's true. It's, it would have been a little bit more uh, effort back then, wouldn't it? Of yeah. So, did you see it again prior to you watch? Um, I, did you watch? Did you have a chance to watch it before we came on here? Uh, yes, I did. Okay. So, did you had you watched it since you were a kid?
2: Uh, yeah, for the longest time I owned the uh, – there was a anniversary edition DVD with that Toby Hooper put out with uh, – had a nice commentary track by him and Gunnar Hansen and talking about all the fun of making the movie. And I think that kind of goes back to your was this kind of a happy accent and a large part of it I think is yes because uh, it was uh, really hell to shoot this movie and they shot it in order. So you can see people getting – more and more frazzled and tired as the film is going on, and it really works for their natural acting to come through. Like I don't know if you read anything about like the actual the dinner scene they shot. They had to do that in one thirty six hour stretch of filming because the guy playing Grandpa refused to put on the makeup more than once.
1: Well, because it probably didn't help that there was no air conditioning. It's one hundred eight degrees in the Texas summer, and right. and that house was smelled like death and. <laughs> And head cheese. And yeah. head cheese, yeah. So I got, I honestly don't think it, considering they were probably paying him at best a buck five, I don't blame him.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting how stuff like that will work out because back to this idea that when a movie's made now, so going to the, the remake, sequel, reboot, whatever you want to reimagining, whatever you want to call it, the reason why I think it misses something is because it was it's it's not just the story, right? It's not just because it really isn't a a story more than kids go in to check out their dead relative's house and they wander off and uh, on the way they had picked up a hitchhiker who was creepy. And then they fall upon these depraved cannibals. uh, The end. (laughs) It's basically, it's a pretty simplistic story. So that's not what made the movie work the way it did. It was the nature of, it's time. It was the nature of how it was made. It was the nature of it being so many limitations.
2: Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some really beautiful shots in this movie. There's that, there's that long tracking shot from under the, the porch swing. I love that. To movie. the house. That is, that's a beautiful shot. And I, and I rewatched it in HD and it's like, it's a gorgeous shot. Spielberg would be proud of this, you know? And I remember Toby Hoover saying, you know, we spent forever laying those dolly tracks down to get it just right. So you could do that and lifting the, the, the swing up so you could get under it with the camera and everything. But then, you know, you get into the the last act of it and they're just pushing through in the shooting schedule and it almost becomes a found footage film. Yeah, the way that it's, it's being shot. Yes, you
1: know? yeah, absolutely. And I've heard that argument made about it, that it, one of the things that makes it work so well is it at times feels like a documentary.
2: Oh, yeah, it's, it has a very like raw handheld feel to it for large parts of it. But then it's intercut with these nice Vista shots of Texas, and and it's it's a great uh, switching gears that just kind of throws your brain for a loop.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. So when you saw it again recently, did it affect you? Or do you find that now that you know all the twists and turns that you're not as affected by, you could just be more, like you said, clinical and you're more detached and
2: Well, if I, I, I watched it once, just kind of like, I'm just going to watch it as a movie. And then I watched it a second time trying to be as clinical as possible, but watching it that uh, first time I hadn't seen it in a couple years, it actually worked really well. I made sure I watched it like late at night, you know, (laughs) after work lights out, everything, turn up the old surround sound. uh, And it, it worked great. Um, You could, it really does pull you into it. And I'm thinking, Oh, this is where the Blair witch got their idea from.
1: Yeah. It's been a few years. i I probably have seen it at least half a dozen times, at least. And it's been it's been a few years since I've last seen it, but it's one of those movies that I probably could go 10, 15 years and I would remember I think virtually every key element of it. I don't, you know, there's some that I saw last year. I there's there's movies that are relatively new movies I'll see, you know, a month and a half later I'm like, "Oh, did I see Oh yeah, I guess yeah, I did see that." <laughs> But (laughs) this is one of those movies that just really sticks with you. And if Toby Hooper had made nothing else, I mean, if he hadn't blessed us with movies like The Mangler. (laughs) I'm just kidding, Mr. Hooper. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because, you know, he listens. Uh, Yeah, if if, even if he hadn't, if he hadn't never done the Salem's Lot TV movie, hadn't done Poltergeist, Life Force, etc., etc., I think that this would be one of those movies that just stands the test of time. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't this get inducted into the, uh, was it the, um, museum? Was it was the museum, uh, museum of modern art. I don't remember if it was or not. I'm pretty sure. Cause I know, I think night or was it the, uh, library of Congress.
2: I think it's like library of Congress does the like significantly important, you know, historically important films. Okay. And this would qualify for that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, what, what,
1: do you remember if it was, in, it was inducted into it? I think it was.
2: Uh, I don't. Sad to say, I don't know a fan without looking it up yeah. on. Uh, yeah. Well, if only there was a place you could look up such facts. God, I know there's <laughs> only a
1: technology. I've, I keep telling people this at work, and they think I'm crazy. Uh, yeah, I know. Night of the Living Dead was.
2: It says, oh, inducted into the horror film Hall of Fame. Not
1: quite the same thing.
2: Not quite. <laughs> New York City, and also the Mu- Museum of Modern Art. It's a permanent collection. Okay, yeah.
1: that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I thought that was what I think that popped in my head first was Museum of Modern Art.
2: The, the MoMA and, hey, British Film Institute, Sight and Sound Magazine, 250 greatest films, considering it was banned in Britain, I think, until probably the 90s. <laughs>
1: Pro- proving that their video nasties list, they really didn't watch very many of them, <laughs> because this one probably got put on just pure reputation. Because, again, like you said, if you watch it, we just uh, covered Poltergeist. Poltergeist is way, way, way gorier. <laughs> way. And I'm not saying it's effective, uh, cut to face being ripped off because it doesn't look good now but still it's way gorier i mean in that one scene it's way gorier than all of texas chainsaw put together yeah
2: and proof that proof that you can make a pg horror film that is really effective yeah
1: Yeah. and during the day because i always remember i can't remember who it was but there was a famous filmmaker that made the point of if you can make a scary movie that takes place during the day that that is truly, you know, that's, that's really like, you know, being able to control your craft and, and you're really a master of it. Well, not all of it takes place during the day, but enough of it does. Oh that... yeah. The main,
2: most of the kills are during the day. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's really not until what the night, the, the dinner scene, right. Then that's actually, no, it's even before, because he catches her because the Franklin in the wheelchair that's at night and then, Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So there is a, there's almost like a, I think they've captured her and she escapes briefly. And then they get her back and then the dinner, because it's after the dinner scene that she breaks through and then it's morning.
2: Which itself is, that's also just a great plot twist that if you haven't seen in a while, you're going, Oh, that's right. The, uh, the gas station attendant Mm -hmm. is a member of the family. He's the cook, (laughs) (laughs) which makes you wonder about the barbecue. They've been trying Uh for the last few hours. Yep.
1: Well, and uh, when that's of course in part two, it starts off as I recall with him, being part of a like a cook-off a chili cook-off competition in texas <laughs> he's like running his catering company or something and he's i think he wins I, I, my memory is he wins the contest <laughs> uh, let me guess
2: what's your secret ingredient uh, <laughs>
1: did you ever see motel hell
2: <laughs> that's one of those i probably saw on the movie channel but i haven't seen since so i saw it originally
1: Thematically, it's similar, and I always remember the tagline that just always makes me chuckle, which is "It takes all kinds of critters to make Farmer Vincent's fritters." <laughs> Hint. That's the one. That's the one with Beulah Ballricker in it, isn't it? Beulah Ballricker is from it... uh, Porkies. Yes, I think. I was like, it took me a second. I'm like, is that like a euphemism? <laughs> <laughs> was, was, is that is that like her quote unquote wink wink stage name? <laughs> I think she's. I think she must play his. Is it his sister? I think it's his sister. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. The only thing I really remember about it, besides him running, around, again tangent, uh, the pig's head. It was on the cover of Fangoria number nine, which was a very infamous ep, uh, issue of the magazine because it was Farmer Vincent with this pig head, decapitated pig's head with like a big cut in the middle of it, and he's holding a chainsaw. <laughs> And he's chasing people around with that. And then that and that Cliff Clavin from Cheers, uh, John Ratzenberger, <laughs> is one of the motorcyclists that they plant, quote-unquote, in their garden. So
2: that, oh, that's to, oh, to so- right, to soften up the... Uh, to like, it's like seasons, them, right, or whatever. Yes. They, they, it makes them nice and tender or something like yes, that. Self- <laughs> I don't
1: remember what the logic was. and <laughs> I use that <laughs> word very loosely. Gamma Dev, this has been an honor. I really... Uh, and I really mean that. I, I love listening to you guys on 80s anthologies and the random episodes and uh so if people want to check you out like you said the mccoy cast podcast they could check those out and uh i really appreciate you doing this oh it's been a pleasure thanks for having me yeah thank you and and of course have a happy halloween my friend well you too thank
0: Thank you for joining joining us for this this special bonus episode episode of the 2014 2014 spooky flicks fest And a special thanks to GammaDev, who always makes it a rip-roaring good time.
1: You can hear more from
0: Gamma over at Doug McCoy's 80s Anthologies, episode by episode. Check it out on iTunes. Looking for more spooky fun? Why not head on over to ForgottenFlicks.com, where you can sign up to receive free updates and something Horrific delivered to your inbox every day in October. See you soon.